At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. It is now 52 years later. This is their story. The old hometown looks the same As I step down from the train And there to meet me is my mama and papa Down the road I look and there runs Mary Hair of gold and lips like cherries It's good to touch the green, green grass of home Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambona, and with me as always... Chris Ketters. No the this time. but No the this time, Chris. <laughs> but the end of the year is nice. in a day. Yes, Happy New Year 2019. Who would have thought that in July of this year, we would have started some, some little podcast with nine listeners and now be over 2,000 downloads? Uh, nine downloads. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not even nine listeners. Probably I know I downloaded listeners. it like twice. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so yeah. No, we appreciate everybody that has helped us uh, come along the way and uh, supported our podcast and supported trying to find this these answers out. I do want to point out real quick that we've had some people get on our uh, Facebook community page and some people that were related to relatives and, and given us more information. Actually, said spent the time and says, "Hey, you got all the information right." So. Uh, anytime, if you know, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out now. If you know anybody that has had any experience with this, maybe a parent or they were there, they helped, let us know. Uh, you have a lot of different ways to get in touch with us through Facebook, Instagram, uh, our website. So check out those things and see if you can uh, touch base with us. Make sure we get all the information accurate before uh, time runs out because. You know, unfortunately, if you were 20 years old in 1967, you're 70 years old now. So it would be great if we lived forever, but that doesn't necessarily happen. So, yeah, I um, mean, it's a double edged sword if you live forever, right? Yeah, exactly. Immortality, correct? Uh, But yeah, so if you know somebody that uh, has information, especially as we get into next season, uh, we definitely want to talk with them. Yeah, I I think that when you look at it from from where we've been and where we've come and where we're at, the news, the radio shows. Uh, Hannibal is kind of warm to the show uh, from a media perspective. I, I think that there are a lot of curious minds in and of the area and outside the area. It's not forget our listeners in, in Texas and in California. In Europe. In, in Europe, Virginia, New Zealand. There's just a bunch of help that we're getting from all over. Season two promises to be something a lot more special we will have a trailer with our season finale so that will be coming up our last episode of season one will be coming up soon and that's basically a recap of everything that we've discovered this year Uh, and some of the i guess tying up 
some of the ends with a nice bow, Chris. I think that you'll get into the finale of The Lost Boys in 1967, May 10th, and where it led it all. And now us, what, 53 years later. Now we might have to do a new intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now 53 years later in 2020, are we any closer to finding the boys? I wish I could answer it. I, well, I, I hope that we are. But it's, uh, you know, there's... We, again, if you talk about when we first started this, I didn't expect there to be, there must be a lot of rabbits in this area because there is a ton of rabbit holes. That's for sure. Uh, that we've gone down. So, well, it's almost like you, you want, like, I don't know, a map. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice segue. I'm sorry I had to point those out, but I, I think they're pretty good. So, I'm just going to head and give they're you kudos great. for that. That's great. I'm. <laughs> I think on my feet. Yeah. I was an advertising marketing guy for a very long time. So, And I will point out that listening to the last episode that um, you you have – I'm going to go ahead and give you kudos for this. You have probably out of anybody I know the best ability to cliffhang <laughs> uh, because every time it happens, I'm, I get goosebumps. I literally get goosebumps. I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> that's a cliffhanger. <laughs> we wanted to give uh, Chad yeah. also a good big shout out to him and his team. Uh, over at the news station. Yeah, uh, KHQA. We appreciate them. Uh, they've, they're helping us out great. Uh, Chad's always been interested. He's from Hannibal originally. If, yeah. you, if you you know Chad Douglas, he does the morning show on KHQA, and uh, he grew up in the area. He went to the same school that, uh, that the boys went to, of course, about 30 years later. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he he's, has a passion for it, and we really appreciate all the help we've gotten. Yeah, and he when we met with him, he was like, you know, he started the podcast, I think, two weeks ago at that point, And he was already like, what's the next episode coming out? Yeah. So uh, I think it's our time limit. I think it's the content. I think that's what we're providing to our audience. But this episode is definitely the, the cliffhanger you guys have been waiting for for about two weeks. And so... Maybe you've done some digging on your own, but I guarantee you what Chris is about to go over with you, you're not going to believe. So let's start with the beginning. So when we first got these letters, we held on to them for a while and because um, it's a lot. We said there's 80, 90 letters that are in this total packet. We we, we had copies of all of them. We, we've looked at them all, but not real in depth. And when we went through the condolence letters uh, to get ready for that episode, we wanted to pull out some, as you heard in our last episode. But as we went along, we started getting some stuff that was like, wait a minute, huh? And, and then you get some weird ones in there. And I'll just break it down for you. What Originally, I came across one letter, and the name was really weird. And it was like, okay, that's kind of a play on words or something. That can't be a real name. Uh, but then, so that was my original thought on it. Yeah. That was it. Was I remember. Just, somebody has an alias. It's just, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, I start finding more weird stuff. And then all of a sudden, we come across a map. And I thought it was just the map, not related. Come to find out. It's the same name as the other ones. We ended up having three letters from this gentleman, and uh, we're not going to say his name, and we'll just go ahead and tell you that now. From now on, we, we're going to give an alias. I, we're just going to point that out. So we have an alias. We're not going to disclose any names because what we may be approaching and looking at from an angle, if, if we're wrong, which we'll admit if we're wrong, but it's very peculiar what it is, uh, we don't want to falsely accuse Absolutely. Them. I mean, libel is a huge thing in documentary filmmaking. And as we get set the stage for the film, uh, The Lost Boys of Hannibal, we have to be careful and mindful of people's families, uh, defamation of character, and the big one, libel. 
Yeah. Unless you have beyond reasonable doubt, hapis corpus, or proven fact in a court of law or paper that supports it, you really can't make assumptions or draw assumptions with someone's name. So in this case, we will be using this man's name as Ray Farrier. Farrier. And we'll just refer to him as Ray. So that is who we're going to work for. We're also not going to specify the town that he lived in. We do know where he lived at, uh, but we will tell you that it was it was within an hour of Hannibal. So uh, that is something to keep in mind as we go through these letters. So how do we want to start? Do we just want to jump into the first one? Uh, um, or do we want to, is there anything we're missing? The names have been protected. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> dun dun. Is that the dun dun? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, so I would, I would, so, you know, we set up the story a little bit, but me and Chris were going through these letters and I, I think you pointed it out. I think you tapped the table and you shoved it over to me and, and you're like, what's this? Like, it looks like a map. And there was a couple drawings. The first one was very generic, and then the second one was more detailed. And so I think you should go through them as he sent them and include the dates if you can. Yeah, so we can start with the dates. And we'll start with the one that we know. We know two of the dates of two of the letters. We don't know the third dates of the third letter. So we'll go through the ones that we know first to start with, and then we'll finish off the one we don't know. So here we go. Let's get let's get started. So this came January fourth of nineteen sixty eight, and I'm not good at math, but what would that be? Eight months after the after the events of May tenth? No, no, seven. Yes. Okay. <laughs> May is the fifth month. Yeah. So, so plus seven, seven eight, eight, seven ish. Yeah. Yeah. So May. Uh, anyway, either way, January fourth, beginning of the new year. So this song is is trickery then, because it's from nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So uh, the first one is to Mrs. Helen Dow. And here is the first letter. It's no use to continue a search for your son or Hogue boys. I reached them too late to save them. May 16th, 1967. Time, 11 a.m. On or near Lover's Leap, no one could have died a worse death. I almost had the same fate. The devil's saints, or reptiles as you know them, took their lives and almost mine. If they just hadn't panicked, I might have saved them. These reptiles, and this word uh, is, is X'd out because this is a typed letter, but it says these reptiles, XXX, Anaconda, Python, both have been under lover's leap for some 30 years that I know of. Reptile pit is beneath New Road. This has been the first time they ever came out in numbers. They are some 30 feet long. The anaconda is all, all light gray. The python is a darker color. I seen two boys crushed and swallowed still alive. The first was dragged screaming back in the cave and same fate. These same snakes without a, I can't read that word because it's faded out on the paper, stalked the searchers the night before. And again, there's some other words that are faded out just a tad bit, but only one or two. It says, fire is the only one prediction, or pre again, faded out word, Frankie. Sure. Uh, those cavers are a bunch of something. <laughs> they wouldn't be alive if they did what they said they did. I wish this was a lie, but in the name of God, it's the true facts. If I could change them, Lord, I would. You are all in great danger. Yours. And then he puts his name on the, on the letter. Okay, so that's the first letter. Yeah. 
He says that he gets to the boys around May 16th. Yes, but it's too late. But it's too late. And is there any history of Andacon? I'm from Florida. Uh, Gators, reptiles are Mm cold-blooded. They wouldn't do well here. Snakes, like anacondas? Not possible. Uh, Not possible. There's no record of uh, any sort of snake that size of that type in this area. How the hell did they get there? And this guy is saying that for 30 years, these reptiles have lived inside Lover's Leap. So that's when you look at it from, you know, a small grain of salt. Or you look at it figuratively instead of literally. Yeah. So metaphorically, why did he... So if you go back to that sentence where he says, you know them. Yes. What is... Yeah, it says, or reptiles, as you know them, took their lives and almost mine. Or reptiles, as you know them. But uh, there's a more specific interesting, I should say interesting part of that sentence. It's what is before, or reptile, the devil's saints. Right. So, and that would be something for you people that uh, love doing Google searches and love doing research, especially if you're in a community. If you want to do some research on the devil's saints... Uh, I did just a precursor, quick Google search for it, and I think I came up with a couple of different books, but none of them are in a metaphorical sort of term. Could it have been a cult? Could it have been a Satanist cult? Could it have been abductees, motorcycle gang? But he says the devil saints or reptile. I mean, I've never heard of a snake called the devil saints, S-A-N-T-S. No. Not familiar at all. No, that's that. And I think what he's intending to say is that because the devil is the serpent. Mm, oh, yes. That makes the sense. saints of the devil. Yeah. Um, like the angels. Once mm-hmm. again, getting religious, getting high on religion. Is it metaphoric? Is it something more mysterious? So this is the first letter. That This is a, an interesting episode. We'll let you know. But imagine being – imagine if you are, uh, you know, a victim – of having one of your children missing and you get a letter that sounds this ridiculous. Cause when we first read it, it did sound ridiculous, but yes. that wouldn't be the only letter this guy would send. Correct, Chris. Correct. Um, and, and here's another point I will, I will go ahead and throw this out. So I don't forget is that the second letter is actually mailed to the Hogue family. The first one was to the Dow family. The second one was to the Hogue family, which you know, they're not comparing notes on letters that they get at this point in time. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that that's definitely not the case. So we go to the second letter. The date of the second letter is very intriguing. The date of the second letter is May 10th, 1968. Unbelievable. One year to the day of their disappearance. It says, Mr. and Mrs. Mike Hogue, and says uh, Fulton Avenue, Hannibal, Missouri. Dear Hogue family. Please speed up and speed is as underscored or aligned under it up checking out old foundry or whatever. I'm sending a drawing as it may have looked many years ago. It's very important to check this out complete so I can follow up some and then it's in quotes says very hot leads. I learned more from some sources the past few hours before I left Hannibal. If boys didn't befall by accident, then on hot, then I'm on hot trail. He put in quotes again. 
I'm afraid they could have learned something they couldn't be allowed to tell. These people are professional and nothing to fool around with unless you can cope with them on their own grounds. And then he says again in parentheses, I guess I should say, this I can do, underlined. I know how they operate. They don't need money. Uh, main reason you were never, the main reason you were never hard anything, heard anything, excuse me. The janitor there has every reason for fear. And I haven't jumped around. This is line for line. So Yeah, you have to understand we're not bumbling the sentences. No. It's just written very, yeah. very passionate. The janitor there has every reason for fear. He knows them or at least one in Hannibal. And then it goes to the back side of the page here. Um, there we go. If boys or any of them are alive, I feel I know where they are, exclamation point. I have been keeping a lookout. This you must tell no one. And then in parentheses it says, please, exclamation point. They could kill them, yet if still alive. Someone in new car, excuse me, comes from Hannibal at night from time to time. I must be able to prove this. I know so. Let me investigate further. I can bring the boys out and safe if done my way. These people are in the, and then parentheses, it says rackets. And that's it, period. I don't aim to start, and I'm not sure what this word is. I want to guess it says a run of terror, any place or gang war, exclamation point. Gang is in G-A-N-G. So let me be complete and sure I'm right first. Then let me do what needs to be done. I can do everything I say I can do, so don't let anyone mess it up. It will only get me killed for nothing. So again, rush this digging and give me a report. Sincerely, and then we'll say Ray. There is a PS on this one, though, and the PS really catches us off guard. The PS says, PS, you owe me nothing but the right to live if I'm right. That is letter number two. Thoughts? So this letter goes to the Hogue family. Correct. The first letter about reptiles goes to the Dow family. But the idea of an entity, a body, a group, a corporate view of something that's gang-related, mm -hmm. some kind of private or special group, a cult, a hidden secret society, looking to lean more toward a Satan worshiping. Now, this was big, believe it or not, at this time. Mm -hmm. Satan worship was very big at this time. Uh, the 70s was experiencing it in, in more or less on the West Coast. Um, we know the East, Eastern Seaboard also was experiencing a lot of different cults and satanic cults where animals and children were abducted for sacrifices. This is not, that's not fake news. That is actual truth. So if something like that was going on in Hannibal and this guy had some kind of information relating to it, I mean, this is very far-fetched, but I would, it almost makes the mind ponder how high does that go up the chain or did the police know about certain gangs or cults in the area? 
I, I, I honestly, Frankie, I, I have a hard time going down that path at all. Uh, I, I, especially for him to, when we read the first letter from January 4th, that letter is talking about snakes. This letter, not talking about any sort of reptile or anything. Now we're talking about people. So, and it's once again, the Dows get the first one, the Hogs get the second one. It's almost feels to me like misdirection. Like he wanted to place the blame on something else. He no, he wanted to make sure that they didn't forget the anniversary, but he wanted to be a part of it because literally on this letter, the data says May 10th, 1968, it was postmarked May 11th. So they got it either May 11th or May 12th. So again, why tell a completely different story? Why? I think, I think he was truly trying to say, Hey, I'm still here. You haven't found me yet. Yeah. But let me tell you something. (laughs) So he creates misdirection with reptiles and craziness. And that never goes anywhere. We never read a newspaper article for somebody looking for snakes because any wildlife, even in 1967, we knew animal habitats at that point mm-hmm. and what could live and what couldn't live in a mountain or live or sleep. In a year later in 1968, the perception of this letter you're saying is he's playing the part of that serial killer where he still wants to be involved. He still wants to poke fun. It's very much like the old Ripper letters from the Whitechapel murders where it's like, still haven't found me heard. You got quiet, you know, embarrassing Scotland yard, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you know, boogeyman's still here. Yeah. What, what, what is different about this letter and the final letter? Well, uh, we don't know the date of the final letter for sure. We assume that it was after the fact, um, but we don't have a date. There's no date on it that we're going to already talk about. Uh, I will tell you this letter is is handwritten, whereas the first letter was typed, which is odd as well. Was there any letterhead on the typed one? No, 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 no. Just the, just the address for Mrs. Dow, and that was it, and the date. And this person had no problem putting his address. No, um, he didn't put his address on the papers. He did put his address on the envelopes. So we That's interesting. do have the envelopes still and know where his address is at. He, yeah, he didn't have a problem with that. Uh, he did his name. And again, won't, we were not going to say his name. His name was initialed the first time around. And the second time, this letter for the Hogue family, he put his full name in. Is it possible that the Hogue family and the Dow family rode in different circles? And we're just saying this, but would the Dow family know of the group of people versus when he writes to the Hogues, it's more of descriptive. Like it's not in the devil's saints or the reptiles or because this, that sounds like a car club. It sounds like something from the sixties. It sounds very much. I mean, my, my uncle was in the fuel burners. Hmm. Um, so you're thinking like it might be a motorcycle gang or exactly. something Exactly. Like the that. salamanders, the pagans, yeah. the hell's the angels, saints. the devil saints. I mean, this is something in 1967. Once again, the hell's angels, the pagans, uh, hundreds of other motorcycle gangs or car clubs that could have been into a lot of drug trafficking at this point. The kids could have caught witness of something going down and they were found out and thrown down a pit in a, in a, where they used to store other bodies they got rid of. I'm, and this is very off tangent, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like 
it causes for speculation from the way my mind thinks as a creative is a spiral effect. Like, what could all those possibilities mean? Or maybe it's just literal and this guy's insane and he's crazy and he thinks there's really anacondas in there. I think it's deeper because the message is the same. He's saying that he's the only one because I know these people. I can talk to them. It feels to me like when he says racketing, like racketeering, mm. like rackets, that these people have involvement in the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. in the 1960s, construction, okay, <laughs> construction businesses in general, if you want to go back to that for a second, you're looking at where these companies are coming from, right? Mm-hmm. So where is Tobin coming from? Kansas City. Kansas City. What did Kansas City have a lot of? Mafia. Mafia, yeah. There was big mob connections in Kansas City from from Chicago. I know that because if you haven't guessed, I'm Italian, Chris. Um, <laughs> no. So the mafia... <laughs> And those types. Of, now, the mafia worked with everything. The mafia worked with motorcycle gangs. They worked with every different thing to traffic stuff. That's kind of how it works. They were kind of soldiers for the mafia. Mm. What if the boys were exploring that night and they caught wind of something with the construction company? And I mean, this is another tangent, but at mm-hmm. the same time, nobody's looked at that. No. What would have been happening in Hannibal, Missouri? Well, it's actually perfect because no one would ever expect it. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the time frame of when the boys were last seen, I mean, any any questionable activity, if, again, a good big tangent here, but any questionable activity that the the construction company would be doing, they wouldn't be doing it 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They'd be doing it after hours when work's done. There's not as many people around. Yeah, I mean, you could go down that road of maybe they saw something they shouldn't have. Uh-huh. Definitely. Quick, he's coming. Yeah, there we go again. Yep. Yeah. Oof, boy, you could open up a huge rabbit hole there. As you know, those kids have been roaming around there for the last how many days now? Maybe they finally got too much information, and that's where that's he's coming has come into the play is that they knew they saw too much. And now, I mean, boy, that's such a rabbit hole. That's such a rabbit hole to it go down. It is a rabbit hole, but you know, as we <laughs> end toward the season, I mean, people are going to need a good month because we're not going to be back for about a month. Yeah. Here's one. Can I add one thing? Sure. Because it's the way my mind works. What if Joey and Billy discovered a stash house? It's like, so when you say stash house, like drugs? Yeah. Okay. Or something, something to that effect. Okay. Where maybe it was his money. Maybe it was something like too valuable and big that they wanted to show. And they didn't really put two and two together because they're what they're 13 years old mm-hmm. 11 years old they're just saying oh my god look at this stuff you got to come see this like what is this stuff yeah. like where is it coming from is it possible that they stumbled upon a chamber that was being kept and you know maybe they wanted to you know think that that was part of the cave but they didn't know any better i don't know but so let's very far-fetched yeah but at the same time like you know Let's yeah, let's dig back out of that hole for a little bit <laughs> because wow, I, I can't see the surface anymore uh, on that one. Uh, but I mean, it's possible. I'm not I'm not discounting. I mean, anything. And possible. we don't mean to be confusing people and going down rabbit holes. Yeah. But like when you get letters like this, you're like, well, what could it possibly mean? Because what we're trying to do is make sense of it, right? The human mind wants to create logic, and it very well might be that this guy is just. And again, you comparing if you if you want to take it for baseline, comparing letter one to letter two. There's there's nothing that puts A and B together. Uh, 
You don't think so? I'll contend with that. So? Okay. The Devil's Saints is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yep, definitely. But it's... And it's two different families. Could the Dow family have been more into the... Could the Dow's been more into the shady side of Hannibal mm-hmm. versus the Hoags, which were upright citizens that owned businesses? You have to understand, too, the guy owned a tavern. Yeah, Taverns at, in 1960s, and I can speak with experience with this one, but that's another podcast, were great places for money laundering because there was a lot of cash flow. I'm not saying the Hoags had anything to do with racketeering, sure. but did they have connections where they... You know, was it something crazy like that? Like maybe he didn't want to sell into the mafia. <laughs> I don't know. Season, but I mean, season two, the underbelly of Hannibal. Season two, the underbelly. Exactly, <laughs> the mayor is involved. Like, you know, that's uh, what these letters make you do, though. Yeah. But the third one, the final one. Well, and the one thing I, I gotta before we jump onto that because it, the third one's very interesting. But this, the the PS is so interesting to me. Is the PS is you owe me nothing but the right to live if I'm right. That one is a literal understanding in my opinion meaning that he had something to do with it and exactly. he wanted to yeah so keep that in mind all right so let's go on so by the way we'll put this up on our facebook page but there is a we talked about this foundry at the beginning of that letter there is an actual picture of the foundry that he drew uh and he did a very he took some time to draw it and so we'll put that up there and let you guys take a look at that so now we get on to the third one again don't know the date of it uh, we know it's his. It's got his name on it. This one comes with a map, as we mentioned before. Here's the cliffhanger. Yeah. This one, and let me go ahead and start. This one caught me off guard because it's 2019, almost 2020 now. Mm-hmm. And I could see the map was well done because I was able to pull up a satellite image of this map, of this area, and it is very accurate. 1967, you don't have access to satellite images. You don't have Google Maps. No. So for him to be able to create this map, hands down means he was here. And that he knows this area. Which is very interesting. This is the area we walked. We have been in this area. So it does come with a letter, and it comes with a note. So we do have the map. It, it shows uh, an area of interest. It shows um, the very landmarks. It shows the just shows areas that are in today's world. He does go back to reptile in this in this note. So again, it, this could be after May tenth, or it could be in nineteen ninety six or seven. Who, who is this letter addressed to? That we do not know either, because we do not have the envelope that goes with this one. We have the envelope that goes with the rest of them. We don't have the envelope that goes with this one. Interesting, Chris. Yes. And that could just be an error on our part of not being able to connect the dots with putting this specific um, letter with the envelope but uh, we're going to research that some more and hopefully get back to you on that maybe some update in the future but let's read you what his letter says again this one the last one is lined like you know notebook you pull a sheet out of a notebook it's got lines on it this one is just a white piece of paper and it's got the map on the front in the bottom left hand corner it starts with this boys never left Hannibal Mo exclamation points are in caves and marked on map Rest is up to you and local people. Boys were last seen with sandy-haired and bald man, not less than six foot, two hundred and fifty pounds. Other is six foot, and it looks like it says raw brown hair. Does that make Long. sense? 
Okay, long. That would make more. No, it's not, there's not a G there. Well, there might be a G. Okay, long. Let's go with long brown or long dark hair with a weight some 200 pounds. Then we got to flip it over to the other page. And he goes on to say, one seen by old man at Old City Dumping Area. Contact has been lost with said pair. One is Snake Handler believed to be from St. Louis Zoo or St. Louis. He trained pythons, a personal pet of his. In parentheses, it says, believe or forget, parentheses, it's your loss, not mine. I have spent all I can. Rest is up to the rest of you. Sincerely, his name. P.S. Tell Jack he was their last hope for rescue. Tell Jack? Tell Jack. He was their last hope for rescue. What the? (laughs) That is the third letter. All from the same name. All from the same person. It's interesting. It's a lot to digest, really. So let's hypothesize let's say i think i've done enough of that (laughs) this letter is before the other two um he's on the reptiles thing still this is handwritten too by the way uh he's on the reptile thing still well now it feels like it really is something about reptiles because he mentions the st louis zoo Mm -hmm. who hasn't true now he's laying down Uh, that's pretty easy to research yeah who was the snake handler back in 1967? Right. But. The hell would he have to do with Hannibal? And, and who the hell's Jack? Who is Jack? <laughs> he it, Let's just go. Okay. Say he was a psychic. Well. You would say in these letters, I'm well, a psychic. Well, wait. Jack. Jack is also John. That doesn't change anything then. We don't know any Johns. Was it Mike Hogue? What was it, John? Was it John Hogue, or Mm-mm. was there any Johns in those families? No, no. And what was uh, Craig Stell's stepbrother? I think it was. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Um, I'll have to look it up. Okay, but I don't remember any Johns in in there at all, or Jacks, Jacks or Johns. But so that's where we're at with these three letters, and there could be, and we're we'll tell you this now is that we're trying to get to the next steps of this and trying to have somebody that's much more professional at this than we are. Take a look at that. And hopefully we'll bring you some more information down the road, but it feels like there's more to these letters than just what's on the paper. It's fairly cryptic when you look at it from the perspective of, well, you have 90 letters that are sent to both families. And here's one that I think anyone would shake off. But when we went to that area that's on the map, based on your satellite images, everything was where it was supposed to be, man. Mm -hmm. Like X marks the spot. Well, and we can go ahead and tell people this. There's one thing that says exposed rock. We found that exposed rock and there's no other rocks around. Yeah. In the simplicity of knowing that this rock was here, it's. It would tell you that he was in that location. 
because there's no other rocks around and it's right there. Describe the map. Um, Doesn't he say boys here? No, his, he, he says most danger. Uh, he mentions an old opening, which may suggest an old cave opening. He does mention cave in that letter. Um, he also says small tree and markings on stone at edge. Yep. A six foot rock on top cave closed open opening on edge of bluff. Um, the hill or bluff he's talking about is there. Yes. It, it's there. We, 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 it's there <laughs> just to say it. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't say the one thing, and, and this is something to take, take into consideration as well is he doesn't say this is where they are. He has most danger, but he doesn't say this is where they are, but you can kind of see what he's talking about. People are going to ask us to post this picture. So unfortunately we won't. (laughs) The reason being, and we're not trying to be cryptic or, um, hiding stuff. The problem is, is that that property is not, not public property. It is private property, Chris. We do, however, have done some research on our buddy Ray. Yeah. And, uh, we do want to give you the, the outline real quick of, of what we do know about him. And, uh, we do know that he was married and that his wife had diminished vision so and that was in her obituary so the obituary says diminished vision we did also find that he did get divorced from her in 82 but it actually looks like from her obituary they were separated well before that so sometime in the 70s they separated and then they didn't finalize the divorce till 82 had a total of seven kids we know that he was born in 1923 makes him 42 or 43 in 1967 he did pass away in the uh, in eighty four, early eighties, eighty four, and um, we haven't searched for any criminal record. We haven't been able to find his obituary yet either. But that's what we do know about him. I did search for his criminal record. Nothing came up. But back then, things were very different. It's not cataloged. Had he committed any kind of crime, or was part of any kind of racketeering? Maybe he was just never caught. Uh, also, he could have just been one of those people that just like to talk. I mean, having eight children, having a wife, I mean, they get divorced. I mean, two years later, Mm -hmm. he's dead, right? Yeah, he died in 84, so two years after the divorce was finalized. Right, so they probably were separated for a while. They were, yeah. Okay, so... uh, There's something that's showing you that there's something that's not right there in that aspect. So, because if she is, she's some sort of physical disability, she, you, you know, if you have a physical disability and you can't necessarily do things for your own, you're going to need somebody to help you caretaker. Yeah, exactly. And and for a situation to be that bad where you move away from that caretaker, there's gotta be something more there. And that's, that's my, what I would think anyway, I may be way off, but well, this has definitely been one of our weirdest episodes. Yes. It was kind of like when you did the thing with the weird and, you know, the crazy. Oh, yes. This was both, both weird and crazy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we've hoped you've enjoyed this episode of The Lost Boys of Hannibal and these crazy three letters that we just read, you guys. I mean, think on it. If anybody out there that's lived in the area around that time ever remembers any kind of biker gang or something, mm, or 
stories of uh, racketeering. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it existed. I just, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe these letters are accurate. The other side of that is what Chris said. Is this somebody's way of still being involved indirectly because he was in, involved full on directly? So is it part of those chain mails between serial killers or was he just mentally disabled? There's a lot of reason. That's why we're bringing in a professional to kind of read these things and get a couple opinions on that and see where they stand. From all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Frankie Campbelletta. And I'm Chris Ketters. And we'll be seeing you. cracked and dry. And that, that old, old tree that I used to play on. Down the Cherries, it's good to touch 